Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode eight of Daffy's Roundtable. Really quickly, before I introduce today's guests, I just want to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to it on whatever uh, listening platform you use. I would really appreciate it. Um, okay, now that's out of the way. Today's guest does not need much of an introduction. I'm sure the majority of you already know her pretty well. Uh, she keeps a variety of different reptiles from like pythons to boas, geckos, chameleons. So you can expect us like bounce around a lot in this episode. Um, Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Emma Sampson. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, this is, uh, this is going to be fun. Okay, so <laughs> can you let everybody know, how did you get into reptile keeping? How did I get into reptile keeping? Um, You've been so doing I, this a long time. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I've been into animals basically as long as I can remember. When I was a kid, you know, I used to go out to the lake and I would catch frogs and tadpoles. I used to like really enjoy turning over rocks to find salamanders, sometimes snakes. Uh, where I grew up in Nova Scotia, there weren't a whole lot of snakes, but I would find them every now and then. And I really liked them when I did. So really, as long as I can remember, I liked reptiles and I wanted to keep them. So I actually got my first reptile when I was seven years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that was that your first pet? Um, so I had, I lived in a house like with a cat. So we had a cat like even before I was born. Um, but this was sort of like one of my, this was my first reptile. Um, my fam. Like my family had pets uh, really throughout my childhood. We had mice, guinea pigs, geckos. Okay, so. <laughs> so the parents are supportive of, of what you're doing then. They, they like animals too. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. And then, so what was the first reptile then? Uh, it was an African fat tail gecko. Okay. Awesome. So from, from the leopard, uh, sorry, from the African fat tail, you went on to getting... Yeah, so after that gecko, I didn't keep any reptiles again for a while. We had some other animals like guinea pigs, hermit crabs, fish tanks, and whatnot. I didn't get another reptile again until I was 14, and then I got uh, leopard geckos. Okay, very cool. We need to get you back into fish tanks, by the way. I know. So on a side note, you need to get yourself a fish tank again. Yeah, uh, cool. And then, so when did the collection start to grow? So after the... Yeah, so everything really started to grow around the time that I was in grade 12. So I was 17 at the time. And then, like, especially after graduating high school, I just really went in with the animals. Very cool. Okay. <laughs> so, so quick dive from there into what I'm really curious about. One of my favorite things in your collection are your chameleons. Yeah. So I have, like, 100 chameleon questions, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so... The basics, everybody knows chameleons, they're very popular because of the whole, they change color when they're camouflaging or whatever. Is this a myth? And can you like us this myth for us? So it is true that chameleons change colors and they do change colors for a variety of different reasons. However, camouflage isn't really one of them at all. Okay. The primary reason that chameleons change color is as a form of communication. So well, chameleons, when we keep them in captivity, you know, they're like a solitary animal. You want to keep one by themselves. But in the wild, they actually have a very complex social structure. So their color changing is their way of communicating with each other. That's very cool. So, yeah. so when you, if, if we put a chameleon behind a blue background, he's not going to turn blue then? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And then is is temperature and humidity another thing that, that could possibly, like in geckos where they uh, fire up or fire down? Yeah, so a chameleon will also change color based on like the temperatures and if they're basking or not. So if they're basking, you know, trying to absorb heat and UVB, they'll darken up because the darker colors absorb the light better. Um, whereas if they're trying to cool down, then, you know, they'll lighten up their colors. So then they're reflecting more of the heat and the light. Cool, cool. Okay. Um, that Yeah, so, so very cool. So, okay, so I saw your reel about... Um, Felix, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Where he turned really bright yellow, or was it that he was mad at the color yellow? He so there was a yellow leaf in his enclosure, which okay. he was really angry about. Okay, and then so is there a specific color that they turn when they are angry? Is that like a? So Felix is a Parsons chameleon. Specifically, he's a yellow giant Parsons chameleon. He's huge. So, <laughs> yeah. So since they're primarily yellow. The color yellow um, to the chameleon can look like another male chameleon. Okay. So when they see that yellow coloration, and you know he might interpret it as another male chameleon or just some sort of threat, he'll start getting really yellow back at it. Okay, so like I'm the bigger male kind of kind of thing. Yeah, we first discovered it when Josh came down into the reptile room wearing a yellow sweater. And he oh, really oh. did not like that. Okay, so yellow's not allowed in the reptile room anymore. No. <laughs> okay, that's that's very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, and then um, when I did visit you a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned something about um, Madagascar chameleons and African chameleons and why you prefer one in the hobby and not the other. Could you uh, break that down a little bit? Yeah, so chameleons are very widespread as an animal. There's tons of different species of them, uh, but there is a small group of chameleons that are exclusive to Madagascar. And I definitely prefer the Madagascar species of chameleon as opposed to the ones from like mainland Africa or um, in Asia and areas. So really it's just a care thing. <laughs> Um, a lot of the common species that we keep, like panther chameleons, are from Madagascar. So because we keep a lot of species from Madagascar in captivity, we know a decent amount about them. There's more information out there. Yeah, whereas a lot of the like mainland African species, we don't know as much. We're still learning things. And they can be a little bit trickier, I've found, because a lot of the mainland African species are montane species. So they live up in mountain ranges that can be pretty cool. Yeah. So a lot of these chameleons we're finding don't do well in captivity unless they get a nighttime cool down into like the 50s or 60s. Wow. Okay. That's a big yeah. drop. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then probably because they're so high up and there's clouds, probably pretty humid up there. Like Cool yeah, and humid, exactly. so, so it's overall to... it's fine. Their care is a bit more challenging, so I <laughs> I have an easier time with the Madagascar species and just overall enjoy them more. Awesome, yeah, and they, I think they're maybe a little bit prettier too. Like yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's so many species, and so many of them are just like beautiful. But a lot of the ones from Madagascar are gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so that actually brings me into like my next question about them because you said like the cooling period and then like need high humidity so there's yeah. the, the whole like controversial topic everybody is like probably if you're in the hobby you know about the whole glass versus screen enclosure for chameleons <laughs> uh, do you have an opinion on it and like why is why or why are people so against glass first of all mm -hmm. 
And then so, what do you have an opinion on? glass versus screen thing is definitely a controversial thing but my opinion yeah. on it is just that it it doesn't need to be <laughs> right it, i think that both glass and screen or you know a variety of different enclosures can work as long as you make them work basically as long as you know what you're doing and how to use that enclosure the thing is people all around the world live in you know different climates different conditions people's houses are different so really you just need to look at your animal's needs and figure out what's going to help you achieve that. For the big debate behind glass enclosures is that they don't provide enough airflow for chameleons because they have very sensitive respiratory systems. And yes, it's true that a glass or a solid enclosure isn't going to have as much airflow as a screen enclosure, but that doesn't mean you can't make it work. You know, you can put things like little fans over top of them or just like add side ventilation or bottom ventilation or something. So there are ways to make it work. You know, if you take someone living in Florida and someone living in like Phoenix, Arizona, for example, the climates they're living in are very different. You know, someone right. in Florida has very high humidity, so a screen enclosure might work great for them. You know, maybe if they were using a glass enclosure, it would just get too humid and gross in there. Yeah. So the screen enclosure could be great. Someone in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's like 15% humidity <laughs> all the time. Needs to chop the humidity in. Yeah, exactly. They might not have a lot of success with a uh, screen enclosure because you still need to keep the humidity pretty high. So someone in a drier climate might have more success with a glass enclosure. No, that makes like, yeah, yeah. thank you for clearing that up. That makes a lot of sense. And honestly, like it's, it's, there's multiple ways of keeping one animal. There's no like right way, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Okay, and like, awesome. I've done both. I still do both. Like right now, my Parsons chameleons are in screen enclosures, whereas my other, every other chameleon I have is in a glass enclosure. So yeah, whatever benefits the individual animal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And then, so, so just to kind of like re-break it down. So it's because they need a higher amount of heat and then also more ventilation or sorry a higher amount of humidity but also a higher amount of ventilation that yeah people so generally think the screens are can be tricky to to balance it so you know whatever okay. works best for you okay very cool um okay what about lighting uvb um do you, or yeah. like lighting and uvb do you use any specific lights and do you use any specific like uvb or like um, so yeah i always use uvb on my chameleons chameleons they just don't really do well without it. Even if you're supplementing them with D3, no one's really had success keeping them like that. And even when it comes to UVB, the type of UVB is really important because they don't tend to do well with compact bulbs. So they typically need a linear bulb and you wanna make sure you're using a good brand like Zoomed or Arcadia. Okay, is there one that you recommend? So I, for the most part, would recommend Arcadia bulbs. I find they work the best with my chameleons. Um, I use the Arcadia 6% and the 12% depending on the species. Right. Or if you don't if you don't really have access to Arcadia, because I know they can be hard to get in yeah. a lot of places, uh, the Zoomed 5.0 or the Zoomed 10.0 ones are great. I would just make sure you're getting the like linear tube bulbs over the like compact ones. Okay. And is that because the compact ones don't give enough of a range of the, the tank? 
Yeah, they're just in a very like small focus area. Typically a chameleon needs a pretty large enclosure. So you want to make sure that the UVB is really getting the entire enclosure. Right. And they need UVB because they're out during the day. They're not nocturnal yeah. animals. Yeah, they're okay. a diurnal species. Diurnal species. Okay, yeah. very cool. And how long do you leave it on for? Is it all day as long as the lights are on? Yeah, so I typically, uh, especially with my like parsons that I'm trying to breed, I change it throughout the year. So in the summertime, they'll be on for 14 hours a day, whereas in the wintertime, I'll cut it back to 10 hours a day. Nice. So, and it, but you know, if you're not trying to breed or anything, anywhere between 10 to 14 hours is good. Okay, awesome. Speaking of the parsons, chameleons, and the breeding, <laughs> uh, so you're trying to breed because there's not many people doing any captivity. Is that correct? Yeah, so right now there's no one in Canada who's ever bred them, wow. as far as I know. Um, there are a couple people in like the US and Europe who have done it, but no one in Canada that I know of. I know a few people who like have a pair and are trying to breed them, but I don't think anyone's had success yet. Okay, and is that because we have like maybe a drier climate here? So a lot of people who have had success breeding them live in areas where they can keep them outdoors. Like okay. I know a lot of people who have had success with them live in like Southern California. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So okay. They keep the chameleons out year round. Whereas like here in well, Canada. Full, yeah. All year, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, good luck. I, yeah. I hope you, uh, I hope you get it done. Cause that's, yeah, I hope that's, so. that'll be huge. Yeah. yeah. I really hope so. Awesome. And then, um, so I've seen your reptile room and I know the majority of tanks are bioactive. Yeah. Um, but but do you ever use uh, like sterile tanks or is there a reason you're you 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 like do you prefer bioactive for a reason? Yeah, so I I will use sterile tanks but normally only for like temporary purposes, you know, quarantine or if like an animal is like sick and being treated for something. Um, I don't really like to go that route just for, you know, animals that I'm keeping. Um, overall, when it comes to just my style of keeping, I really like going naturalistic. I think it's not only really beneficial for the animal, but I just also find it really fun and interesting myself. You know, like not easier only do I clean. like, yeah, exactly yeah. too. Yeah. Maintenance a bit easier. Um, yeah. But not only do I like the animals, but you know, I like the plants and I like the isopods that go in there too. So, you know, it makes it more than just having a pet. You have like a whole little environment to take care of. Yeah. Like an ecosystem. Yeah, hundred percent. Agree. Yeah. yeah, I have the yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I prefer the, the, the whole life plant thing. Awesome. Um and then okay, we'll jump off the chameleons, but one more chameleon question. Yeah. Um do chameleons require life plants? Like can you are you is it possible to do a chameleon enclosure without it? Because I see like most of chameleon keepers usually yeah. do have life plants as well. I would say that it is possible, but it's just it's more work, honestly. Yeah. It's more work than it's worth because the live plants are just beneficial for many reasons. Um, with especially like in a chameleon enclosure, live plants provide microclimates. So right. the top of your enclosure might be warm and a bit drier, whereas down at the bottom underneath the plants, it's cooler and more humid. Um, right. Live plants help to retain humidity, whereas fake plants dry off really fast. So live plants can really help keep the environment more stable for your chameleon. And live plants can also be an indicator of if your setup is doing well or not. If your right. plants are constantly dying, 
it's probably not a good environment for your chameleon. So your plants can kind of tell you if, you know, something's off and something needs to be changed. Right. Something could be wrong with the soil, like yeah. pests or something. No, 100%. That's, that's, that's a very good point, actually. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So moving on from the chameleons, you've also been breeding cat, uh, cat eye geckos. Is that what they're called? Yeah, there's a few names for them. I've heard cat yeah. eye geckos, cat tail geckos, cat geckos, whatever. Do you know the Latin name for them? Um, so there's a few different species. The ones okay. that I have right now are, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it oh. is something like a, they're, let me look it up. They're not the Saracenians, are they? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're, I keep they, I keep confusing. The two. Okay. I, I always say a felinus. Um, okay. No, exactly. <laughs> it no, is. that's cool. A Luroscalabotes felinus. Yeah, I don't okay. pronounce it, but. Cool. <laughs> How long have you had them for? Um, I got my first one in November of 20, 20 what a year, 2020. So okay. just under a year ago. Nice. And I got my second one in December. Wow. And they're, wow. Okay. And yeah. you've already managed to hatch and, and get babies. So I actually have a bit of an interesting story with them. So I got Please my first tell. one. <laughs> yeah. So I got my first one in November. She was a female. I got her from someone rehoming them. Okay. Um, then in December, I got my male who came from Critter Jungle. Right. Um, so I had those ones in November and December, and they've been paired ever since February. I have had um, four eggs laid by them but none have hatched yet. They're still incubating. So the other babies that I have came from my third female who I got back in, it was either March or April. So I got my third female again from a local breeder who was rehoming hers. She had, she had like a pair and her male passed away. So she was rehoming the female and she was rehoming the female along with the two babies that she had already hatched. Okay. So I got the female and two babies. And when this breeder was cleaning out the enclosure to like pack up the gecko and stuff to give to me, she found more eggs in the enclosure. Cool. So she gave me the eggs along with the geckos. So two more of those eggs ended up hatching. So that's where my four babies came from. And now I currently have more eggs incubating. So I have the four eggs from Sadie and Slinky, my original pair. And then Sage, who is the third gecko I got, um, even though she's no longer with the male, she still laid a clutch That's of four eggs. So I have those incubating as well. That's very cool. So a whole collection now. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so so that actually probably like answered a bunch of my questions. So you do keep them paired then? Yeah. So I have yeah. had them paired, Sadie and Slinky, like since February. Um, I may end up separating them at some point, but as of right now, they seem to be doing completely fine together. I don't really see any cause of concern or anything. So my plan is to continue keeping them together and just monitoring them. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And then, yeah, so that was, that was my question was, do you keep them? Yeah. And then are the babies also together or are the babies separated? Um, so I'm raising the babies separated or separate. Um, I know a lot of people will do them as groups, but I just find it easier to, you know, monitor them and make sure they're For all sure. eating and stuff when they're kept separate. So, so they seem to be a little more like lenient towards cohabbing than some of the other species of geckos then. I would say as long as, you know, like I have mine in a 
uh, an enclosure like quite above the minimum. You know, some people will recommend just like a 12 by 12 by 18 for a single one. Um, okay. Whereas I have my pair in a 24, 18, 24. Oh, wow. okay. yeah. They have a decent amount of space in there. Um, I feel the like- space I, like move <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like they have, you know, a lot of space. It's a fully bioactive enclosure, lots of plants in there, lots of places to hide. So okay. they seem to do quite well together. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, and are the babies as, oh, are their setups similar to Crested Geckos? Like are they high humidity? Uh, well, not high humidity, but like like 60 to 80 humidity, bioactive, like, like yeah. Pretty similar. You- the only difference really is like um, these guys are semi-arboreal as opposed to like fully yeah. arboreal. So arboreal, I can yeah. a few more things like on the ground and lower down, but you know, I find, I find during the day, they just like hide away somewhere and sleep like under a log or inside a cork tube or something. But then oh, all night long, they're climbing around. <laughs> okay. So not as well. Okay. Very cool. And do you know, uh, do you know where they're native to? Uh, they're native to Malaysia and some surrounding areas. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't really like heard much about them until Critter Jungle got that one mail and then you started posting your videos about them. I was like, okay, like, uh, they're very cool. Um, And are the babies similar care to the adults? Like, uh, they are infective wars, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So So I first, when I first had the babies and I first set them up, I tried keeping them in a more like sterile setup, but it was like a naturalistic sterile setup. Like I had them on paper towels and, you know, it was fake plants and stuff, but it was still, you know, they had the fake plants and branches and everything, but I didn't find that they were doing super well like that. So I moved them all into like mini bioactives and I found they started doing a lot better that way. And the main reason why I made the switch is because uh, cat geckos, they, naturally feed on isopods a lot okay so i think having them in a bioactive enclosure where they can just hunt their own isopods is really beneficial to them and so do you reseed it with isopods every like few weeks or or yeah. do you have like a colony set up? The small ones like in like my big enclosure for the adults i don't really need to add isopods too frequently because you know the enclosure is big enough that they're breeding pretty fast But in like the small baby enclosures, I'll add some new dwarf whites in there every few weeks. Right. Yeah. Probably eat them too fast. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool species. I'll post a picture um, or I'll post post a link to a picture in the uh, show notes for anybody that hasn't seen them because they're, they're beautiful species. Um, Super cool. Yeah. No. uh, Oh, well, okay. One more, one more. Um, (laughs) Are they handleable? Can you pull them out and, like hold them or are they a little finicky? So for the most part, they're easy to handle, but they don't necessarily talk, like they don't tolerate it very well. They do stress pretty easily. So I normally only handle them like if I, you know, if I need to, if I'm cleaning the enclosure or if I'm weighing them or something, because where I'm breathing them, I do weigh them fairly frequently. Um, so yeah, I don't just handle them for fun, but when I do have to handle them, they are easy to handle. <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, because a little slower, right? Yeah, they don't Slow tend movement, to yeah. be that fast. You know, they can they can go fast if they really want to. Like one of my babies right now is pretty squirmy, but for the most part, they're <laughs> they're pretty. They don't move a whole lot. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, next species. Um, <laughs> you have a leaf tail gecko as well.
Yeah, so I have a male uh, Europlatus fimbriatus, so that is the giant leaf-tailed gecko. Is that the biggest species? I believe so, yeah. Okay, very cool. And they come from Madagascar as well? Yep. Okay, very cool. Um, so did uh, where did you get them from? Uh, so I got him from Chameleons Canada at the same time that I got my Parsons Chameleon. I oh. originally did get a pair, but unfortunately I lost my female a few months ago. Okay. So you just yeah. have a male now? Yeah. Are you in search of a female? Possibly. Or, you know, if I do find anyone who is like having success breeding them and is looking for another male, I would be, you know, happy to give him to someone who could continue breeding them. Cool. Okay. And uh, are they, uh, to, to ask you the same question I asked you on cat geckos, are they a handleable species? Because I feel like they're like one of the ones that are like, don't even come near me. Yeah, especially yeah. Um, at least with mine, they do not like it at all. <laughs> they okay. do not tolerate it very well. And anytime I have handled them, I always wear gloves. <laughs> okay, wow. So they have a strong bite then? I've never been bitten, but they have a they have a big strong jaw. <laughs> okay, cool. Um yeah, so nobody nobody's really having success breeding them in captivity, right? There are a few uh, people, but um, similar to some chameleons, they can be a bit difficult because they require a pretty significant cool down. Okay. And now are there enclosures, um, like I, I noticed they're always like, <laughs> they're always like yeah. lying down flat. So is there a specific way that you design the enclosures so that they're more adaptable to that or? Yeah. So leaf tail gecko enclosures are pretty interesting. Like, you know, they, they're an arboreal animal. So you, want an enclosure with more height than width right. um but rather than like vertical branches or horizontal branches you want them to all be vertical, all be vertical. for the most part because they like to hang out vertically like that or that's just what leaf tail geckos like to do so lots of vertical branches in their enclosure is, is typically how you want to set them up okay right because i saw like just looking into yours from the outside kind of looked like uh you're looking into like an endless forest which branches, yeah. branches like it's very yeah, cool scene, so. like when you think of setting up like a crusty enclosure a lot of the branches are horizontal or on a like board. diagonal yeah so okay. is typically the way to go with leaf tails very interesting and do they also eat like ripashi or are they strictly insectivores yeah they're just insectivores insectivores okay I, I don't think I have any more questions on, on that species. So <laughs> let's switch species again. Um, you recently got the Emerald Tree Skinks from Natasha at yeah. Red Spawniverse. How's yeah. that going? Yeah, they're they're incredible. I love them so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I've been a big fan of them for a long time, ever since you started posting videos of them. Are you finding them like curious, inquisitive, even at that age? Like, oh yeah, I've yeah. Not, like, they they don't really like to be handled or anything yet. You know, they're still really shy about that, but they're very curious about what's going on. Always watching. Yeah, and see like the first few days I had them, anytime they would see me, they would run and hide. But after only a few days, they started getting very curious about me and would come out when I was around them and would just like sit on a leaf and watch what I was doing and they're, they're so fun to feed too because as soon as you put food in they know exactly where to go they eat a huge variety of things so they're really fun okay very cool yeah they seem like they, they kind of learn quickly that okay this is the person feeding me yeah <laughs> okay awesome so yeah so the emerald tree skinks are yeah very cool like i uh if you when once they grow up and I, i'm like hoping Natasha yeah. eats some more soon because i want some as well but if, if you yeah. start breeding let me know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um 
Cool. And then you also have a lot of different species of snakes, correct? <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> Can you list some of the ones you have? I know you have like pythons and like boas and so, yeah, so what, what do you have? What's in the arsenal? <laughs> The largest one is Marvin, who is our boa constrictor and pyridor. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So we have him, and then I have a rainbow boa, an Amazon tree boa, a Kenyan sand boas, ball pythons. I have a children's python. That's the one um, I want to ask about. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay, very cool. And the children's <laughs> python, how, like, one of my favorite species, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you find how do you find keeping that? Um, <laughs> like I, I think she's really fun. Uh, I think they're a very interesting species, and I love you know just the size of them. I I really like small snakes. I know a lot of people really like you know the big snakes, but I've always preferred smaller species. So I like their size. They have a lot of personality, but she is very feisty. <laughs> Yeah, is she like she'll uh, like nip at you when you're trying to feed her, or just? Oh, yeah, she like she'll even sometimes strike at the glass if you're just walking by. Okay, so you can't really pull her out and 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 like handle her. She's or? still so she is really nippy, but she's still fairly easy to handle if you're confident with it. You know, I've worked with quite a few snakes and stuff, so I know how to deal with a nippy snake so i can still take her out but if you give her the opportunity she will bite you and she, will bite you. she won't just bite you she will try to consume you she will try her hardest even though she's <laughs> this big <laughs> have you ever had your finger almost eaten <laughs> yeah okay yeah, fully wrapped around my finger before <laughs> that's that's hilarious Okay, so I have like a baby carpet python. How similar do you think the care is to like, have you ever dealt with carpet pythons personally? Not really. I don't know a whole no. lot about okay. carpet pythons. But children's pythons are also Australian species? Yep. Yeah. Okay, very cool. So I would assume. Yeah, they are, they're semi-arboreal, so. Oh, so, so like carpet pythons. So I assume yep. pretty similar. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And then like, what do you feed your snakes? Um, so most of the time they're eating just rats or mice, but I do like to give variety in their diets as well. I think that if you have access to other feeders besides just rats and mice, that's a great thing to offer. So I like to also give them things like frozen chicks and frozen quails uh, when I can. And most of my snakes all really enjoy those. Very cool. Um, first of all, where do you get that from? Uh, here I get them from the dragon's lair. They okay. They sell them. Yeah, yeah. And are they like are they small? Like how how big are they? Um, the so frozen you, grail, for example. Yeah. So you can typically buy different sizes with them. Um, I normally just get the adult quails, which are still quite small. Like they're pretty. I'd say they're equivalent to like of I don't know, like a weaned like a, rat maybe. Like a, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm my okay. And so do you find that? For example, one of the some of the snakes prefers uh, like rats over quail, or quail over rats, or like will any of them ever turn their nose to a specific <laughs> like? Um, most of them no. Like some of my snakes are just too small to take the quails and chicks because okay. I can't. You know, they don't come as small as like some mice do. Yeah, right. So not all of my snakes have been offered them before, but all of my snakes that have been offered them um, usually will all take them. Even um, Toby, who is my pickiest snake, he's one of my ball pythons, I was able to get him to take frozen thawed chicks before I could get him to take frozen thawed rats. So Interesting. 
Interesting. And then mm -hmm. do you find, okay, so so with Toby, for example, the picky one, did yeah. you find that after he tried, oh, you said you got him to eat that first, so then you got him, to, okay, so never mind. Because yeah. kind of, <laughs> I worry that, because I only feed, um, Taz is my carpet python, I mm -hmm. only feed him uh, frozen rats. Yeah. And they're still relatively small. Like I think they're fuzzies or uh, maybe weans. Like the, mm -hmm. uh, no, pups. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I have to go and see it. But uh, I've heard that if I try to give him like a mouse or like an African fat tail, that he might just decide that he doesn't want to eat rats anymore because mice are. Do you, do you think that's a possibility or I think, you think I should give him a try? possible but i don't think it's as big of a risk as you know some people might think um you know i think if you continue to just offer variety and stuff they'll usually take it like i've never had any issues of my snakes only taking one feeder after i've done it before so i don't think it's as big of an issue as some people might think it is but i do think it is possible some snakes are picky so <laughs> that's very cool yeah i would absolutely love to feed like quail or because i mean they're an australian species they're semi-arboreal so they are pulling birds out of the sky at some like, yeah and right it's a lot of animals like especially you know just snakes in captivity so many of them are overweight and right. birds like chicks and quails have a lot less fat in them than rats and mice do interesting and they have no problem digesting the bones and everything of the and the beak and no i i've never had any issue with mine um one time my tree boa she regurged um a chick that i fed her but it didn't surprise me because her heat lamp went out the day after i fed her so okay so yeah i'm the, pretty sure it just had the to heat too. <laughs> right okay that's very very interesting do you find it smellier when they go after they they eat chicks or is it the same thing as rats I yeah I, I wouldn't say i've noticed any difference <laughs> okay because with aggressive geckos i noticed that when i feed crickets it smells way worse than i feed rapashi for example but, interesting <laughs> yeah i don't know okay that's that's okay very interesting i'm i'm, I'm definitely going to be hitting up dragon layer and, and getting a baby yeah. them, or baby chick or something is is there do you dethaw them the same way yeah just bag in hot water yep yeah okay cool cool um yeah, I'm I'm mind blown. Um, so okay, so then um, moving on from the animals, I did want to ask you a few questions about your YouTube channel. If that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations on 99k, by the way. That's huge. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so how long have you been posting videos for? Um, so I started regularly posting videos in October of 2017, so about four years now. And is that when you were still in high school? Uh, this was right after I graduated. So I graduated June 2017. Um, I posted like one or two videos on my YouTube channel in the summer, but then it wasn't until October that I started like posting regularly. So yeah, so you've been posting videos for like four or five years now. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, very cool. And do you find it overwhelming to like to have to do all the animal care and then still have to like film and edit and do all of that? Uh, it can be, but you know, for the most part, it's just like if it is too much, then I just I don't get a video posted. You know, right? I'm always doing the animal care first. You know, videos and stuff come second. So, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And then like, like what about filming time? Like. For, for me, I find if, if like I'm setting up an enclosure, mm -hmm. it'll take me like 
an hour, maybe like 45 minutes, half an hour, whatever it takes. And then yeah. if, if I'm filming it, it'll be three, four hours. Do you yeah, find it's the exactly. same thing? It takes so much longer to film okay. something. <laughs> okay, good. So I'm not alone on that one. So <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, so okay. So um, we're getting to around the like 40 minutes mark. I like to keep it around like 45 minutes usually. Um, but before we do wrap it up, I do mm -hmm. want to ask you about the new series you're doing on your channel. If that's yeah. Okay. yeah. So you're sure. doing, yeah. So you're doing, uh, doing a dark build. Yeah. With yes. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what was the motivation uh, behind it? Why dark frogs? Um, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so my choice to get dart frogs really um, came after started after I started working at Critter Jungle. You know, I've known what dart frogs were for a very long time, and I've loved them, and I've known that someday I would get them, but I just, you know, it was one of those things that I just never really got around to doing. But then after I started working at Critter Jungle, and I was working with the dart frogs, and, you know, I was feeding them, watching them, taking care of them, doing the tadpole cleanings and stuff, I was just like, oh my goodness, I... How did I go so long without owning dart frogs? <laughs> so I decided that I wanted to get some dart frogs. So then I started researching, you know, the different species to try and figure out which ones I wanted. And I decided on the Dendrobates tinctorius azurius. So that's what I ended up getting. Um, and now Exoterra, you know, there's a company I'm sure I've I'm sure everyone listening knows what Exoterra is. They've been around. Exoterra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've been yeah. around forever. They're a staple, I think, in every reptile keeper's room. Definitely. Um, so Exoterra is a company that I've been working with since like the start of this year. Awesome. Um, I've done a couple videos with them. I did some like leopard gecko setups. I did a tree frog setup. And they recently came out with their Frogs & Co. product line. So after I decided I wanted to get dart frogs, I figured, you know, I'm going to contact Exoterra and see if they would want to work on this project with me. So, you know, I wrote up a proposal for it, outlined my series idea and sent it off to them. And now here we are. I've posted two videos of it so far and I have four more to go. Four more to go. And but for these two videos, you've already set up the quarantine tank. Yep. And you've bought the frogs. Yeah, so I have my frogs right now. I've had them for a few weeks at this point. Um, my first video was, you know, sort of prepping before I got the frogs. So I got their quarantine enclosure set up and everything. And then the second video was actually when I went out and got the frogs, brought them home. You know, then I did like a one week update, showed some feeding of them. Uh, and yeah, the next video coming out is going to be on their actual like permanent enclosure build. So I, you know, I did like a DIY custom background for it and everything. So that's what the next video is going to be. Very cool. Now guys, when this episode gets released, I believe you're releasing them every Thursday, correct? I'm trying to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So oh, fingers crossed. Most probably when this episode released, that video will already be out. So go yeah. give it a watch. Um, so you're doing the building steps then, right? Yeah, so this next video is basically just going to be the background. So, you know, the foaming, the carving, dry locking. And then the next video after that will actually be me, like, setting up the enclosure and planting it and stuff. Very cool. So, guys, go and 
follow up with the series. Yeah. I know I'm going to be. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to see you get into Dark Frogs because yeah. personally, I'm obsessed. I'm like at my sixth species now. Yeah, so. no, it, it didn't take <laughs> very long before I was like, oh, I'm going to end up with more. Oh, yeah, you definitely are. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're incredible. And if you have any questions on Dark Frogs, um, let me know. I'd be happy to help. <laughs> yeah, um, awesome. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. I yeah, think I'm going to wrap it up here. I don't have any more questions. But I do really... Um, I do really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Can you let for sure? Can you let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube at uh, just Emma Lynn Sampson, and then the rest of my social medias: Instagram, TikTok, Twitter is just at Emma Sam nine nine. Yes, go give her a follow everywhere. I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much once again. Thank you. Take care. Um, awesome. That was episode eight of Daffy's Roundtable. Thank you all very much for listening. I will be putting Emma's, uh, all of Emma's information in the show notes, um, as well as mine. Go give me a follow too. I'm Daffy's Reptiles on everything and Daffy's Roundtable for the podcast. Thank you all very much and we'll see you next week.